Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. That's the good news. The grace of God. The grace of God goes so much deeper than the sin of man. Where did sin abound, there did grace much more abound. It's like water will go to the lowest depths. And so too does the grace of God. I want to encourage you and offer you hope. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. There's nothing you can do to earn God's grace. Today, you learn from Pastor J.D.'s message that grace is God's free gift to all who will receive it. God's grace is able to go so much deeper than the sin of man. Be encouraged that God's always offering you His grace. He will never withhold His gift of grace from you. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Proverbs chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 11. This is a sad picture that's painted for us here. When your flesh and your body are consumed. I believe this is a reference to a sexually transmitted disease. That because of sexual immorality, sexual sin, the flesh and the body are consumed by this sexually transmitted disease. And say, verse 12, how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. In other words, we're talking about somebody that would be seen as being one of God's people. And this is important because I think that we're so quick as Christians to expect the non-Christian who's not regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit to act like they're a Christian. How can they? I mean, how about you before you were saved? The things you did, that's all you knew. I mean, I don't know where we get off on coming down hard on the world and those dirty, rotten, stinking sinners. Well, they need the Savior. (laughs) They need to be saved. Why don't you pray for them, witness to them, instead of be angry at them, come down on them. This is somebody, as we're given this description, that apparently has ruined his life because of his foolish decision with regards to sexual sin. And it seems that it's known throughout the midst of the assembly and the congregation of God's people. Verse 15, drink water from your own cistern, and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water 
in the streets. Let them be only your own, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of your youth, as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times, and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman, and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. In other words, you might think that nobody is going to find out. Oh, the Lord sees everything. All of your ways are before Him. The eyes of the Lord see everything. Verse 22, His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die, verse 23, for lack of instruction and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Boy, it's chilling, isn't it? How depressing is this, right? So what are you going to do, Pastor? You're going to end on this note? No, I have no intentions of ending on that note whatsoever. However, I have to say that this chapter is one that should be met with what I'll call a sanctified discomfort. And I'll explain what I mean by that. This should make us uncomfortable. This should make, as they say, the hairs on the back of our head stand up. What Or what little we have left. I used to have more hairs back there to stand up, not as much now. This should send a chill, a spiritual chill of conviction down the spines of our Christian lives. The touchy topic of sexual sin should so discomfort and disturb us that it produces within us the conviction of the Holy Spirit I pray that none of us would ever get to that place where our consciences become seared as with a hot iron. You know how it is? Especially when it comes to sexual sin. The first time, I mean you're so convicted, and then the second time, not as much. Third time, not so much. Fourth, fifth, and so on, and so on, and then after a while, it's like a callus. You, you develop a, a callus and you don't feel anything. It's a hardness. Dare I say that pornography today is destroying marriages, it is destroying families, it is destroying the lives of men, It is destroying churches. It's destroying our children at younger and younger ages. But God, 
God is a gracious and merciful God, and this need not be. We need not live our lives under the crushing guilt and condemnation any longer than it takes us to get to the cross of Jesus Christ. What if I told you, and I direct this chiefly to my brothers in Christ, what if I told you that freedom in Christ from addiction to pornography on the internet is possible? Would you believe me? What if I told you that it's still possible, even in this day and age that we live in, that it's possible for us to live righteous in the midst of such wickedness and unrighteousness? Would you believe me? Let me take it a step further. What if I told you that the enemy the devil himself builds this infrastructure of guilt and condemnation in your life to keep you trapped in that sexual sin. Would you believe me? What if I told you there was a way out? Would you believe me? There is. Romans 6.14. This is, ah, how do I say it without sounding so bombastic and sensational. How about I say it this way? Romans 6.14 is one of the verses in the Bible that Satan will do everything he can to keep a Christian from understanding. Because this is, this is how we can be free, set free. Paul writing, by the Spirit, says, for sin, and you could put in there the sin, sexual sin, any sin shall not have dominion over you. It no longer will be your master. That every time it snaps its fingers and something pops up on the screen, every time you obey. Well, disobey every time it snaps his fingers. Why? Because it's your master. You've been mastered by it. It has dominion over you no more. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Okay. Well, how, how, do, how does that set me free? I have a book in my library. I don't know if it's still in print. I hope it is. It's written by Roy Hessian, and it's titled Forgotten Factors. And to me, it is the best bar none explanation of Romans 6.14. Please listen. If we are to experience sin, and it's in the context of sexual sin, if we are to experience sin not having dominion over us, we shall have to know truly what it is to be living under grace and not under law. If the dominion of sin over us is its power to condemn us, then the holy law of God only adds to that power. 
Now, in that condition of despair, we have little motivation but to commit further sin. In other words, I've already blown it. I can't believe I did that again. I even vowed to God. I told God, God, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. And I did it. Hessian continues, to understand then the true nature of the dominion of sin and what are the devil's intentions in it is the first step into freedom. We are now ready to hear the message of grace. See, under the law, I'm condemned. But I'm not under the law. I'm no longer condemned. But see, it's the condemnation of sin that no longer has dominion over me. It cannot be the temptation of sin. Oh, I wish it were. But when Paul says that sin will no longer have dominion over you, he's not talking about the temptation to sin. My goodness, the Savior was tempted. It is not a sin to be tempted. He's not talking, he cannot be talking about the temptation that I'll no longer be dominated or mastered by the temptation of sin. No, I will no longer be dominated and mastered by the condemnation of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation. I'm under grace. God has forgiven me again and again and again. Because that's His grace. He paid for it. It's finished. There's no more condemnation. He took the condemnation, the wrath of God, the sin of man upon Himself. Listen to how Hessian explains it, please. This is so important, especially for anybody here tonight or watching online, that has been living under the crushing weight of the condemnation of the devil over your life, and you call yourself a Christian, I, would, I wouldn't even ask for forgiveness. Surely God has had it up to here with you. You think He's going to forgive you again? Even when you told Him you would never do that again? I love it when Peter, I love Peter, I love it when he you know, thinks he's being so clever, and you know, Jesus is talking about forgiveness, and he says, you know, so let me see if I got this straight. So are we to like forgive someone who sinned against us like, what, seven times? Oh, Peter, you're, you're so, that, how, how forgiving of you seven times? Ah, blessed art thou, Simon's son of, <laughs> he doesn't say that. He says, no, Peter, 70 times seven. That's 490 times, by the way. In other words, I mean, you could pretty much conclude that if somebody sins against you 490 times, they've got it out for you. And and it's not like Jesus is saying, now, 490 times, but 491, forget it. No more. That's it. You don't forget the 490, that 491st time, you keep count. No, he's not saying that. What he's saying is, you keep forgiving them again and again and again and again. Now, if we're to do that, how much more will our Heavenly Father forgive us because of the price that was paid by His only begotten Son on that cross? So listen, 
We don't have to stay in that place of despair, that condition of despair. That is what the enemy wants you to believe. Because if he gets you in that place, he's got you. And you're trapped. The first step into freedom is to realize that was his intention all along. We are now ready to hear the message of grace. What is that message of grace? The grace of God is the love of God in action toward those who deserve nothing and can do nothing. Calvary shows us we are loved by God as we are unconditionally, without strings. There Jesus died not only for sin, but to sin. That is how Romans 6.10 puts it. In that He died, He died unto sin once. What does that mean? It does not mean that He died to sin's solicitations, temptations. He was never alive to them but that in paying our debt in His blood, He died to sin's power to condemn Him any longer, and therefore God raised Him from the dead. But if at that cross sin lost its power to condemn our substitute, it has also lost its power to condemn all those whose substitute He became. If each one of them now returns to the cross in confession, they may all reckon on this fact, lose their burden of guilt, and step into freedom. If we take a long time to do that, we will be a long time under the dominion of sin. I'll add, unnecessarily, needlessly. But the moment we humble ourselves and confess it all, we're forgiven cleansed, set free from guilt, and declared right with God. The foundation of guilt on which Satan built his superstructure is removed by God Himself. The superstructure itself comes tumbling down, and the one imprisoned within it is set free. Now, does this mean that every time we sin, and give in. That all we have to do is get to the cross as quick as we can. The longer it takes us to get to the cross, confess the sin, be forgiven and cleansed of that sin and all unrighteousness, the longer it takes, the more condemnation we're going to be crushed under. So wait a minute, Pastor, you better be careful, because if you tell people that, that they're forgiven, they're going to think, hey, I mean, I can just ask for forgiveness. It's almost like you're saying, hey, just go ahead and give into it, and then just ask God to forgive you. Oh, no. It doesn't work that way. It's the opposite that's true. When you have tasted of the Lord and seen how good and gracious and forgiving He is, it ruins you. It woos you to Him and makes you sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and you don't want to do anything that would grieve the heart of God, grieve the Holy Spirit. It has the opposite effect. 
When you've been forgiven of much, you love much. That's how it works. You you sin greatly. I think of David again, speaking of Solomon's dad. Here's a guy, I mean, (laughs) sexual sin, are you kidding me? Murder? By the way, at that time, and David knew it, at that time, those were sins punishable by death under the law. And David knew it. And when the prophet Nathan comes to him, and to judge this case, and David becomes indignant, and I mean just incensed, and you know, again, our sin always looks worse on somebody else than it does us. And then Nathan says, you're that man. And he just crumbles. And then Nathan says this to him, David, God has forgiven you. He has put away your sin. It's like that woman at the well. Jesus said, go and sin that sin no more. I'm setting you free. You know that David would never repeat that sin all the days of his life. Would he suffer the consequences? Oh, absolutely. But would he repeat that sin? No. You want to know why? Because he was on the receiving end of the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God. And it so changed him that the thought of ever sinning against God in that way was unthinkable. And he would never repeat his folly. And by the way, that's why it is that the Savior of the world would come from David, Bathsheba, and Solomon's lineage. That's the good news, the grace of God. The grace of God goes so much deeper than the sin of man. Where did sin abound, there did grace much more abound. It's like water will go to the lowest depths. And so too does the grace of God. I want to encourage you and offer you hope. There is hope. The enemy doesn't want you to believe that. He wants you to think that this is your lot for the rest of your life. There's no hope. There's no, there's no way out of this. But there is. You are free in Christ because of grace. Proverbs is a book of action. The sage life applications written in its pages not only give you something to think about, but they inspire you to act upon what you've read. As you continue to study this book with Pastor J.D., approach each nugget of wisdom prayerfully, asking God to show you how you can incorporate it into your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word. We'd be honored to be praying for you during this study. Would you let us know how we could be doing that for you? You can connect with us by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com, and clicking on Contact under the About tab. We'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter. You're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor J.D.'s teachings are also available on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. Are you part of a church? 
we want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area if you haven't already. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor J.D.'s teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. It can help you start a conversation with someone you love. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth.